0: Well, good evening. <laughs> how are y'all doing? Okay, okay, good, good. You're responsive. Okay, I'm just checking out how much I'm going to have to turn. Y'all did not make it easy tonight. Um, we did say two to three people uh, that could share, and if it's okay, let me see if I get the thumbs up from Pastor Kendall. I want to share just one, one, one quick story. Is that, is that good? Nobody has to get thumbs up for me. I'm Okay okay, <laughs> just checking just checking um, a lot of you know me we've been my family's been here for for many 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 years um, a lot of you know kind of like the beginning of of how we even came here, but uh God has been amazing in just uh my family's life through my parents, but we've seen it so physically uh it' has been so visible through the life of of my youngest sister Linda, who you know usually sits on this side um but it, you know, uh, a lot of people don't, don't know exactly what went on uh, when she was given, my mom was given this diagnosis that she was gonna, she was not gonna make it. Um, my mom, being pregnant, uh, something happened that she felt um, just not well. We ended up going to the doctor, to the clinic, is what they called it. Uh, this is in Mexico, this is many, many, many years ago. Uh, but I remember walking with my mom all the way to the clinic for about an hour and a half. So you just imagine a pregnant woman, seven months pregnant, walking for an hour and a half with two children, one still in arms. <clears throat> and we go into this clinic and she gets, um, uh, she, she go, she's seen and I'm waiting in the bench with Betsy. Um, I don't remember how old she was at the time. But then dad shows up uh, like half an hour later. and He's like, hey, we're going. Your mom has been transferred to the hospital and we go. and." We get there, and Dad goes into the uh, hospital i 'm not allowed in. He comes back like forty five minutes later and says um, they 're making me choose your mom or your or your sister and i i can't i can 't choose and I just remember Dad saying, "We need to pray and I remember that being the the, the very first time Maybe not the first time, but it was a very clear marker of what do we do when we don't know what to do. First thing that we ought to do. And uh, thankfully, she was born. They both made it, but Linda was given six months to live, and uh, God worked a miracle. She's still here. Life has not been easy. There has been a lot of struggles, a lot of a lot of struggles. Um, some of you know she was been she was in the hospital like four years ago, and it's been a back and forth, Houston, back and forth, back and forth. And I just remember that um, back in in 2005 or six is when we first came here, and we were welcomed with open arms, and people have been so. This was supposed to be brief, um, but we we Christians need to do this where we track back and we look back and we say. I can clearly see where God has shown his hand, where God has provided in all these ways. And so I encourage you just to share your story the next couple of weeks. Um, but it, it, that has been such a clear marker in our lives. And uh, I'm here not by, by chance, by happenstance. God knew, God ordains, and each one of you is here because God does and God ordains. And so that's my story. Now I'm going to flip to the teaching time, okay? All right. <clears throat> So if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles to uh, the book of John, chapter 4. Uh, you probably looked at the title and you're wondering, huh, I wonder what we're going to be studying, seeking what matters to God. Well, we really uh, got this from a from book we were reading, but this really comes from John, chapter 4, um, verse 21 through 24. And some of you know this is where... Um, this is, this is where Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And we're not going to dive into what that means, Uh the, the, the woman was Samaritan, the, the Jesus was a Jew. But what we want to focus on is what is said from Jesus to the woman because it becomes an issue of worship. Um, she begins to ask, like, how come, how come that you guys say, you Jews say, this is where we ought to be worshiping, and that we are wrong, but, you know, we, we're doing what we want to do. And look at verse 21. It says, uh, John chapter 4, verse 21. This is, Jesus said to the woman, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. Verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the Father is seeking true worshipers. So what matters to God? Okay, I'm going to do it again. What matters to God? True worshipers, that's right. And so... The next four weeks, we're going to be studying, what does it mean to be a true worshiper? If that is what God is seeking, God the Father is seeking, then what must we do? What must we seek in order to be true worshipers? And uh, we got to know that, that what is happening here has been an ongoing conversation for a long time. If you look at your Bible, this side is thicker than the other side, right? So there is a history, there's something going on. Everything has a beginning. All characters in a story have a beginning. And understanding those beginnings provides information and context uh, about why th- things came to be the way they are. And, and we can clearly see this in pop culture. So I'm going to give you some pop culture references to kind of help us uh, just understand this and set the backdrop. But in pop culture, we have superheroes, right? Does Anybody know what a superhero is? Okay, I'm going to need your help. I need to know who this person is. Man, y'all don't sound confident about this. <laughs> it's like, I think I think it's Superman, but what? Lego. Okay, good, good. good. There we go. So Superman, right? Did Superman was was he born Superman? No. Okay. So he had a, a he was somebody before becoming Superman, somebody different. What happened? Okay, okay. I I hear different answers. He came in. <laughs> UFOs, folks, that's where we are. No, he, <laughs> he came from a different planet. There was tragedy before that. But before he became Superman, he was somebody else, right? He, he had not yet become Superman. There was a beginning. There was something else before. What about this next character? Lego. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> yes, Lego Spider-Man. So Spider-Man, was he born, you know, shooting webs? No. Well, just a normal person, right, before that? Yeah? And then, and then what happened? Spider, okay, okay. And then, and then who died? Spoiler alert for you guys. (laughs) And he lives his life according to what his uncle told him, right? So he was somebody before, something happens, and he changes. What about this next person? I was really hoping the bats were gonna fly when. That, okay, so but same thing, right? He had a beginning, there was a tragedy that happened, and then that set the path for his life to fight for justice for the oppressed and living in the dark and dressed as a bat for some reason. We don't know. But, but each one of them had a beginning, a set sort of circumstances that define who they are and what they do. Worshippers is the same way. We had a beginning. And sometimes I think we overlook this beginning. The, our beginning it starts in Genesis Genesis means beginning. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God. And I know that's probably not part of your daily devotional, but I think oftentimes it's good to go back and read that. Before anything was, God already existed. It's not in the beginning, Adam. It's not in the beginning, earth, or the universe. No, before anything came to be, God already was in existence complete, independent, and in perfect harmony, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And out of his own desire to display his glory and have us share in his glory, he created the universe. He created a galaxy that we call, oh, that didn't sound very confident. Yes, the Milky Way. He created our solar system and a planet called Earth and even a garden called Eden. Good job. This is kind of a pop quiz, so just... Bear with me here. Um, And he created man and woman. He created Adam and Eve. And in this place where he created the first worshipers, there was no sin. There was no imperfection. There was no decay, no defilement. It was truly paradise. Doesn't that that sound nice? (laughs) But it was not the place that made it paradise or that made it perfect. It was the presence of God. The Bible tells us that God's presence dwelt Uh, amongst Adam and Eve, that they would walk with him in the morning. Um, The writer Bob Coffin says that Adam and Eve breathed, ate, slept, and labored uh, amongst God to exalt the goodness and greatness of God. So everything they did revolved around God. Their lives were lived for and through God. Uh, Author D.A. Carson says it this way, God's image bearers delighted in the perfection of his creation, And the pleasure of his presence, precisely because they were perfectly oriented toward him. There were no redemptive provisions yet, meaning no sacrifices were needed at this time. Uh, So they they had not yet been disclosed, for none were needed. There was no need to exhort human beings to worship. And I thought that was very interesting, that there was no need to tell people, hey, you need to come to church. Hey, you need to uh, exalt the Lord. You need to praise the Lord. Rather, their existence revolved around God who had made them. So I, I just, that line, they were perfectly oriented toward God. I think it's so important. But what happened? Sin. There was a serpent, right? What did the serpent do? Removed, tempted them. It removed their gaze. They were fixed on God and they got distracted by creation itself. By eating of the fruit, they reoriented their longings and their desires. Um, they they rejected the gift of worshiping God to worship themselves. Basically, they 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 felt that God needed improving. And I know that may sound harsh, but that's what happened. And the result of the decision, complete despair. If you look at Genesis three eight through nine, you can look through your Bibles. I think we'll have the text. Up there, but in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just love that picture of God walking through a garden <laughs> in his presence in perfection. And it says, The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The Lord came seeking. He came seeking two worshipers whom he knew and he knew very well. And he calls out to them, asking, Where are you? I'm looking for you. Do you really think God didn't know where they were? <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. God knows everything. He did. But I think, I think this is here to show us that even when we have done wrong, God is still seeking us. And notice their stance. They're ashamed. Confused and afraid. Have you ever identified with those feelings? I know I have. There are times when I felt ashamed or confused or afraid, and rather than go to Him, I back away and I slowly go and hide. They tried to. The Bible says they tried to hide their nakedness. What this means is that their exposure. You know, they they didn't want to be completely exposed, all things to be seen. How many of us do we try to hide things from other people because we don't want our true selves to be seen? We try to do that to God. We try to hide our true selves from God. But he knows us. And even though they committed this grave sin, they did exactly opposite of what God said to do. They receive grace. They, God draws the first drop of blood. Genesis three twenty one says this. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin. Of skins, it clothed them. How do you think you get garments of skins? You've got to kill an animal. So the first drop of blood is shed. And it foreshadows the the, the, the sacrifices that needed to come and the future sacrifice that Jesus would pay at the cross for us. So though we choose in our sinful nature to run from God, God continues to come and seek and ask, where are you? Worshippers need to receive. Tonight, I wanted to look at two things. How true worshipers receive and exalt. Worshippers need to receive. True worshipers are receivers of God's grace. We must understand this, this reality that we live in. That we are actually unable on our own to worship God rightly. Look at what happened to them. They backed away. They wanted to hide. We are unable on our own to receive from God the gifts that he gives and provides. Do you know anyone who struggles to receive things? You ever try, you take somebody, uh, uh, maybe to coffee, or this happened to me, and you say, hey, let me pay for you. No, 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 no. I got it. In fact, let me pay for you. (laughs) You try to buy the lunch. No, 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 no. And if you do, next time, what happens? Here, you got me last time. Let me pay for you, right? They want to make sure that you get covered. Why is that? Why is it that, that we absolutely want to make sure that we show that we can provide for ourselves? I, I just think that's interesting. And oftentimes, because of this, we fail to recognize the gifts that come from God. Because that nature in us is, is fighting, because of that sin when he comes seeking we hide and we run away ashamed of our wrongdoings but we have a deep deep need for god to enable our worship and it's evident throughout scripture i mean if you read from genesis all the way through you know just through the old testament cain and abel abraham moses continually people who are not able who are called but not able And we see that God continues to provide revelation of himself. He continues to reveal himself to his people and begins to be what is now a written word. And the Old Testament continues this rhythm of God seeking, sending prophet after prophet after prophet saying, turn away from your ways, seek the Lord. And people don't do it. I mean, we see that. He's looking for a people who will receive the gift of life who will fix their gaze back to him on his glory, his majesty, his goodness, and his love. But we know that on our own, we won't do it. And the Old Testament actually finishes with a bit of, uh, it's kind of a juxtaposition. It's, it's both despair and hope. It's like, we, we can't on our own do this. God, will you, will you come? Will you do this? There is hope on the promises that he made. And the truth is that people must be reoriented and renewed. This is what Hebrews talks about. We must be changed. But so far, Old Testament has proved we cannot change on our own, right? So what must happen? God must be the one to change us. He must be the one to change us so that we will actually worship him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. In order to restore things back to the way they were and the psalm constantly says this have you ever noticed if you you read the psalm a lot of you i know a lot of you have read through the psalms this the psalmist keeps saying salvation belongs to the lord isn't that isn't that interesting salvation belongs to the lord we're like yeah it does it completely god must be the one to enable salvation comes through jesus and jesus is god's ultimate statement that he will provide, that he will do, provide a way for us to worship him now and forever. And so that's, that's what's happening in John 4. Jesus is the gift that we do not deserve, but that we are freely given. That's grace. And we need to receive. If you go to the first, first book of Corinthians with me, chapter 4, verse 7. If you don't have a Bible, I think we have it on the screen also. But I've been, I've been wrestling a lot with this verse lately. Partly because I've been studying uh, this, but also um, I just think it's, it's, it's a good reminder. And uh, Brother RJ, he knows this because we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, what do you have that you did not receive? Just think about that question for a second. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Let's just pause for a second and think about that. When I was a young boy, whoo, long time ago. (laughs) Um, Dad, growing up, he would take us to a, uh, there was a a place in between the town that I grew up in, which is a small town, kind of like Nacogdoches. And there was a a big city, Monterrey, some of you know what that is. Um, It was a big metropolitan city in Mexico. And, uh, a lot of American companies there, a lot of uh, just trying to keep up with the United States. You guys move fast. That's just how it is. Well, we. Now it's we. But um, we there was this spot in between the road, halfway between these two, this town and this city, and there was a, a, a store there called Los Robles. And we would go there, and this store, they had everything you could think of. They had clothes, they had uh, shoes, hats, jackets, toys, the latest uh, video game. They had everything you could think of. And what we would do is dad would take us there around close to Christmas time. Around Christmas time, a lot of people get bonuses, and so dad would get this bonus, and he would take us to pick uh, a new, what, what do you call it, outfit. Um, I'm, man, <laughs> yeah, I think that is right. Yeah, just work with me here. I'm work, I'm, I'm nervous. And so there was this, this, you know, we would get everything new. And, and we get our pick of it. Like, we really could just go around and grab whatever we wanted. And then he would, at the end, pay a big sum of money. All of his bonus would, you know, go away. But he was providing that for us. And as I was studying this, I was thinking about that. And it's so funny. Um, we would return to school, to classes, and I would show up and I'd be like, check out the new kicks, you know? Is that a new jacket? Yeah, man, look what I got. Is that a new, yeah. What was I doing? Boasting, and did I buy those? No, (laughs) they were given to me by my dad who loved me and and sought to protect me, to provide for me, but here I was, check it out, check it out, you know? Um, and I think about that, I just think, how funny, and, and I hope I'm not doing that anymore, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, my father, he, he loved us so much, and he, he still does, but he always sought to provide for us, to take care of us, so much so that one day I walked in his room, and I caught him taking off his socks, and they had holes, and I was like, wow, I like I just, I, I didn't comprehend, but now I think about it, and I understand just the love of a parent not fully, but I can see it. And I'm like, if that's my earthly father, how much more? Well, does my heavenly father love me? I mean, if you just think about that for a second. God's love is so abounding. It's incomprehensible. More than anything we can imagine, he sent his son to die for us. You I mean, just think about that. But for thousands of years, the Lord has been seeking Seeking all those who are willing to receive the gift of worship in him. And many offerings have been given. We, we can see all through that. But they can be tainted with self-reliance. They can be tainted with perhaps a little bit of self-exaltation. Did you see how I did for the Lord? Did you see how I gave? But Jesus, you know, but Jesus empties himself to bring glory to the Father on our behalf. Even he who is highly exalted humbled himself and lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place and resurrected and ascended to assure us, all of us, that we can trust in his name and be numbered among the worshipers of God. So this is important. The Lord is seeking those who are willing to receive this gift of worship in him. We are unable on our own to worship God apart from his grace. And not only are we unable to worship God apart from his grace, sometimes we don't even know. We don't even know who it is that we're worshiping. God has to be the one to tell us. Now, for us as believers, we know. But when we we don't know, we need somebody to tell us. And he has. He has told us himself through his word. Right here. Through worship. Is always a response to God's word. And God's word contains his character, his purpose, his plan. Everything that we need to know about him, it's right here. God's word is foundational. And I love how uh, Bob Kaufman puts it. He says, Scripture provides doctrinal fuel for our emotional fire. That word doctrinal fuel for our emotional fire. Because we're emotional people. We are driven by emotions. And so we need God's word to redirect our emotions, to redirect our hearts, to redirect our attention back to him, because without him, we're lost. God's word defines and directs and inspires the worship, our worship to God. So knowing God through his word enables us to receive what we need to worship him. So we're always receivers. Are you guys okay? Are we Are we good? Okay, okay. No, you. Kind of quiet. So, uh, we must understand that the Father is seeking true worshipers. That is clear, right? We got it? Okay. Okay. Good. That is what matters to him. We got it? Yes? Okay. It's important. So, our, as worshipers, it is our responsibility to understand what has been given to us in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Individually, we must receive, but also corporately. So, we've been talking a lot about how our our faith is not just Uh, individual there's also a collective a corporate like today we gather and uh, we come together to worship God what we must do is come to marvel at his grace that has been given together to stand together and be in awe of his holiness and to be undone by his loving mercy not only individually but together true worshipers come to be in the presence of the Lord Adam and Eve were true worshipers who were in the presence of the Lord, but that changed. And so something needed to be done in order to go back, and that is uh, uh, the sacrifice that was made in Jesus Christ. So true worshipers, they live in the truth of the promises of God, and they embrace his will for their lives. And you who are sitting here tonight, all of you, 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 you. I'm, 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 aim- I'm not aiming, but all of you, you are a worshiper. Can you say that out loud? I am a worshiper. One, two, three. I am and there is nothing you need to do, there's nothing you can do but receive, rejoice, and worship. And so, what happens? What happens when we receive? What do we do when we receive a gift? We say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully some of you got gifts today. Some holiday that's going on. By the way, thank you for spending your <laughs> Valentine's night with us. Uh, uh, we hope this is a memorable one. Um, I'm, I was thinking today, why did I put myself as a first teacher? Um, you're probably not going to come back now. <laughs> but yeah, we we'll receive a gift. We say thank you. Perhaps even go a step further and tell others about this gift, right? Um, my wife's not here no. My, or my in-laws. Okay, so <laughs> my in-laws do this this thing. It's it's in in the words of my wife, it's cute. Um, they gift each other things and then they put it on their bed on on the side that they sleep, and they ask us to come and look at what they got. <laughs> Will you come and look what look what she gave me? And then like just and that is so wonderful like they really love what they got but what is what are they doing showing it off what does that mean what does it mean for the person that they're showing it off to they're 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 putting that person in a place of honor right they're saying this person gave me something look they're kind they're compassionate they they really care about me you say, wow, this person really thought about, thought about me. This is a nice person. This individual really cares about others. And you go and tell others, and you say, well, look at, look at what's going on. Wow, would you see that? In a way, that is exalting. It's putting somebody in high honor. And, and we automatically do this. We even do this with uh, celebrities. We put them in a high place of honor. We, we say, this person is worthy of my attention, and would you look at what they're doing, Right? Who's the, the, the megastar right now that everybody's just thinking about? Oh, no, Swifties. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is going off the rails. No. <laughs> let, me, let me bring you back. I bring you back. But we naturally do this, right? We naturally put people in seats of honor. When worshipers receive the free gift of grace, we do the same. We exalt God. Psalm 34, 1 through 3. We sang this on Sunday. If you were here on Sunday, we sang this together. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I did ask Blake to sing that song, and I know for some of you that was like youth uh, way back in the day, but I enjoy that song. and, and, and I, I want to do this with you guys. Would you close your eyes? All of you close your eyes right now. Sing with me. may open your eyes there's something about singing that there's something about saying god i exalt you god we exalt you however we would be deceived to think that that is the only thing we ought to do that singing is the same as doing we must exalt god not only with our words with our song but also with our deeds with our actions If I tell my wife, I love you, but I never show her, I never wash the dishes when she tells me to or when she asks me to, if, and I actually did this last night, if I I say, hey, I got the dishes, and then I forget, next day, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get them. I'll get them this time, and I don't get them. And then the third day, I say, I promise I will get the dishes, and I don't. What do you think she's going to think next time I say, I'll get them? You ain't going to do it. You haven't done it the last three times. What do you think? What about if I, if I go up to her and I said, I hug you, and I just pass her by? <laughs> I hug you. <laughs> Am I hugging her? But I'm saying it. I said it, right? What's wrong there? No action. The words that come out of my lips do not match the action in my heart or even my physical action. So we must not only exalt God with our lips. We have to do it with our deeds, with what we say, with what we do. Exalting seems like a good word too. The Bible says that we must decrease and he must increase. That we must humble ourselves and exalt everything about the Lord. And so you're like, well, other than singing, what does that look like to exalt God? Well, we exalt God with our hearts, through our thoughts, what we think, every thought that we have, through our love, how we love people, how we love Him, through our faith, individual and corporate, through our gratefulness. Are we thankful for all the things that we have received? I think first Corinthians just hits it right in the heart. Through our longing. Have you ever thought about this? Do you long for Jesus' return? Or are you afraid of His return because you like it here? Have you ever thought about that? Do you think about or you just avoid revelation because it's scary. We need to exalt God with our actions, through our willing obedience, through our praise, through our speech. What is our speech like when we're in church and when we're not in church? Through, this, through our service. And by the way, unashamedly, I'm going to plug Mission Knack here. Um, we're going to be serving, and we've been doing a great job uh, in, with our community outreach, but that's how we do that. That's how we exalt the Lord, by going to places and doing good deeds for people and showing them that we love them because of who loves us. And we exalt God in our actions through our faithful witness. And let me tell you, that sharing your stories, We've heard many other stories. Some of you that are, that are bringing people, you're inviting them, you're like, come, come, and see what the Lord has done because it's not what we're doing. It's not what the staff is doing. It's not what the elders are doing. It's what God is doing. It's what God is doing, not that, what any of us is doing. And lastly, I think we exalt God in our actions by never moving away from the gospel and by standing firm on the truth. So the title of the story, uh, the story, uh, not story, study, goodness, English is hard. Um, It really is. The title of the study is Seeking What Matters to God. And I hope today you have begun to understand that God is seeking true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So in that worship is an important matter to God and it is deeper than just a song. For those of you who are wondering about the last two blanks, (laughs) I got you. Worship in the wrong direction is idolatry. And this is why it's so important. Worship in the wrong direction is idolatry. When we worship an idol, we're saying we find our fulfillment in that. It consoles us. It protects us. That all can be provided by that idol because we have fixed our gaze from God to that idol. And we're saying you, whatever that thing may be, are worthy of our time, our strength, our energy, and even our affections, we, we come to love. You know, uh, we, we have shared several times now through different uh, uh, sermons just how our affections are so connected to our hearts and to our minds and what we think and what we do and to our habits. We're, tell, we're telling that idol without saying it, you make me happy. When we should be saying to the Lord, you are the only thing that makes me happy. You are the only thing. That provides my strength. You are the only thing that fulfills. You are it. So our whole focus and posture is bent because of sin. And so our worship must be pointed back to God. And so that's why it's crucial that we understand this, what it means to be a true worshiper. And I know I keep saying that, but we need to understand it. And lastly, and I'll be closing with this, true worshipers receive The gift of grace found in Jesus Christ in response, and in response, exalt his name through every facet of their lives. Let me say that again. True worshipers receive the gift of grace found in Jesus Christ, and in response to that gift, they exalt his name through every facet of their lives, empowered by the Holy Spirit and in accordance to his word. So, true worshipers, they do what? Say it again. Exalt his name and receive. Okay, I'm going to quiz you during the week. You're going to be getting some text messages from me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, So you better answer fast. You can't look it up. But um, I hope you learned something tonight. We really want this to be practical. Next week, Pastor Kendall is going to cover... Uh, A little more. And we're going to look at what does it mean for true worshipers to gather and edify. And I think it's going to be really good. So uh, I'd love to ask you to stand as we pray together and be dismissed for the night. I'm letting you out a little early. It's 724. (laughs) Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that... God, even though it is in our nature to run away, you continue seeking. God, we thank you um, that you provide for us in every way possible. May we be a people that receive, that learn to receive, that receive the gifts that you provide for us, Lord. And thank you for the wonderful gift that is Jesus Christ. Or may we now forever and always exalt your name, Lord, help us as we wrestle with these thoughts. Help us as we uh, just go about our way, about our week. May we not forget what your word says. But may we uh, internalize those and just wrestle with the truth of your word. And may we come out understanding that true worshipers need to receive and exalt. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. See you next week.